going to read actually beginning uh, with that first sentence in verse 24, beginning with the word it. This is what we read, Romans 4, beginning in the middle of verse 24, it will be counted to us who believe in Him, who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. And now let's turn to Romans 6. We'll read verses 5 through 11 together. Romans 6. This is what we read, beginning at verse 5. For if we have been united with Him in a death like His, we shall certainly be united with Him in a resurrection like His. We know that our old self was crucified with Him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with Him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over Him. For the death He died, He died to sin once for all, but the life He lives, He lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. And now Romans 8, verse 11 This is what we read, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. As far as the reading of God's word, let's look at the catechism together. I'll read the question and then let's read the answer together. How does Christ's resurrection benefit us? First, by His resurrection, He has overcome death, so that we might take our share in the righteousness He won for us by His death. Second, by His power, we too are already now resurrected to a new life. Third, Christ's resurrection is a guarantee of our glorious Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we do pray that you would guide us while life shall last until we reach our eternal home. And Lord, we know, we know that uh, the primary way uh, in which you guide us is through your word. And so even as we study your word tonight, we ask that you would guide us through life. For Jesus' sake, amen. You know, it seems these days uh, like we spend a lot more time defending the truth of Christ's resurrection than we do considering the benefits of Christ's resurrection. So on Easter Sunday, it seems I think you'd, you'd hear more sermons across the country, you know, about why, why there's good reason for us to believe that Jesus actually rose from the dead than sermons pertaining to, you know, what the resurrection actually means for us. That's what I mean when I say we, we spend more time defending the truth of the resurrection than we do considering the benefits of the resurrection. Uh, I think we know why that is. It's because we do live in a time uh, when the truth of Christ's resurrection from the dead is denied, and so God's people do need to be able to give a valid defense as to why it's reasonable and even preferable 
to believe in the bodily resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Uh, not going to be a sermon on defending the truth of Jesus' resurrection, although I can't help but sharing my favorite story uh, as an apologetic for Christ's resurrection. It was the one told by Chuck Colson, um, and Chuck Colson said, uh, you know, here's Jesus' disciples, and um, if the resurrection was a lie, there's no way they would have held out as long as they did because I was among those who tried covering up a lie in Washington with the most powerful people, and we couldn't even hold out for two weeks. Um, and I think that's a great uh, apologetic. Uh, Colson is right there. Um, but anyway, uh, we ought not lose sight of the fact that there are tremendous benefits afforded to us through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. We don't celebrate Jesus' resurrection simply because it's a happy ending to a tragic story. No, we celebrate Jesus' resurrection because it means some especially awesome things for believers in Jesus. And with the help of the catechism tonight, we're going to think about some of the benefits afforded to us by Christ's resurrection. Now, I don't pretend to say that the catechism has exhausted the list of benefits afforded to us by Christ's resurrection, but the catechism highlights three benefits of Christ's resurrection uh, that are worth pondering and that are worth keeping before us. And we'll just look at them in order. I don't think we need to reinvent the wheel here. Uh, the catechism has three points in this Lord's Day. It was, it's a preacher's friend, right? The catechism begins by saying, first, by His resurrection, He has overcome death so that He might make us share in the righteousness He won for us by his death. The fact is, on the cross, Jesus paid for our sins. But how is it that we know that God has accepted Christ's sacrifice on our behalf? How is it that we know that Jesus' Jesus's offering was acceptable to God? Well, we know because of the resurrection. The resurrection assures us that the price for sin has been paid, and that in Christ we find the righteousness before God that we need in order to be saved. This is what Paul's getting at in Romans 4.25 when he says, Jesus was raised for our justification. It's what Paul's getting at in 1 Corinthians 15 when he says, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. The resurrection validates the work of Jesus on the cross. The resurrection testifies to the fact that God has accepted His payment for our sins. We might illustrate it this way. Uh, illustrations always fall short. This one, I think, falls far short, but hopefully it'll get us in the ballpark of how the resurrection relates to Jesus' death on the cross. When I was in high school, there were a group of boys who set out to play a senior prank on our principal. Our principal was Jack Postma. I know many of you know him, so I share that. Um, well, these boys, they, they took a picture of Mr. Postma's truck. This is the year 2002, so we didn't have the internet. Well, we did, but it was early stages. But they took a picture of Mr. Postma's truck, and they published it for sale in the Auto Trader magazine. His truck was worth, I don't know what his truck was worth. Let's say his truck was worth $25,000. I have no idea. 
But these boys published it as being for sale for significantly less than it was worth. I don't know the price they put on it, but it appeared to the whole world to be a screaming deal. They also put the phone number for the office uh, at school in the ad. Well, their prank worked. School had about 500 phone calls inquiring about Mr. Postma's truck. Now, Mr. Postma was not upset at all, so this is where I'm starting to take some, some liberty, but uh, he did not punish the boys who did it. In fact, he commended them for their creativity and for their non-destructive prank. He basically held them up and said, you all should learn from the way these boys carried out their prank. Um, anyway, for the sake of illustration, let's just imagine for a moment that uh, he did get upset. And because he was upset, he threatened to punish the entire senior class with a week-long suspension unless someone came forward and confessed to the prank. Well, you know, there were about I don't know, 10 or 15 boys uh, who took part in this prank. Um, some of them were you know, trying to finish out strong in school, and they needed to keep their grades up, and they really didn't have a lot more days to sacrifice uh, being absent. And so one of the boys, he says to the rest, you know what, I'll, I'll take the fall. And by himself, he goes and he says, you know what, Mr. Postma, there, were, and there, there might have been more than just me involved in this, but, but let me be punished for everyone. Let me be suspended for a week. Let the rest of them and everyone else in the senior class go free. And Mr. Postma agrees. Now, that, that's a good deal, right? That, that'd be a really good deal for all of those other students. But the truth is, and I guess this is where we get into the part about resurrection. The truth is, as long as that young man remains suspended, those other boys have to wonder, don't they, <laughs> is this going to work? <laughs> Will this actually be sufficient to get us off the hook? Will that guy's punishment really suffice for the rest of us? Or are we going to show up on Wednesday and see all of our tales sent home for the rest of the week? Right? Will, will the principal really be content with looking on him and pardoning the rest of us? You don't know. For the week of the suspension, you're nervous. And it's not until the suspension is over and the punished boy is back at school next Monday and the principal greets him in the hall that you can finally breathe easy and feel good about the penalty having been paid and the punishment for your sin being removed from you. Until then, you wonder, is it enough? Again, terrible illustration for a lot of reasons, but hopefully it helps you understand something of the benefit of Christ's resurrection from the dead, right? By His resurrection, He's overcome death so that He might make us share in the righteousness He won for us by His death, right? By His resurrection, we can rest assured that in Christ there is salvation. God has accepted His being punished on our behalf, okay? The resurrection declares to the world that the penalty for sin has been paid in full. Whoever believes in the risen Christ will not perish but have eternal life. The second benefit of Christ's resurrection is this, according to the catechism, by His power we too are already now resurrected to a new life. By His power we too are already now resurrected to a new life. Think for a moment, a moment about that late night conversation that took place between Jesus and Nicodemus in John 3. 
Jesus said to Nicodemus, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, Nicodemus is confused by what exactly Jesus means, but we know what Jesus means. In that statement, Jesus is stressing the necessity of our being born again or, or of our being raised to new life. I see those phrases as synonyms. And of course, the reason we need to be born again, the reason we need new life is because by nature, we talked about this this morning here, we are dead in our transgressions and sins. The reason we need to be born again, the reason we need new life is because in Adam, as descendants of Adam, children of Adam, our natures are so corrupted that we are totally inclined toward all evil. Tell kids that in Sunday school, right? You're totally inclined. I'm not totally inclined toward all evil. I'm not that bad. Well, don't be fooled. Even the good we do, right, is tarnished by impure and selfish motives. To love and serve God, we need to be born again. We need to be raised to new life. Apart from faith, it is impossible to please God, the writer of Hebrews says. We need a new life. We need a new heart and a new spirit within us. We need to be born again. And yet, thanks be to God, this new life that we so desperately need is a benefit afforded to us in and through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2, 4, but God, being rich in mercy... Because of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions and sins, made us alive together with Christ. Colossians 3.1, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. Right? New life is a benefit afforded to us by the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. And so just, just think about this for a moment. Sometimes when you're in the middle of the woods, you know, it's it's, it's hard to see the big picture. You can only see what's right in front of you. But take a bird's eye view of all this for a moment. Those of us here who know the new life that God gives in Christ, and I hope and pray that's all of us, but those of us who can testify to our natures being regenerated and our hearts being made new, those of us who, who truly mourn for our sins and trust in Christ for salvation and desire to serve Christ daily... We are simply reaping the benefit of Christ's resurrection. Our new life is a result of Christ's resurrection. As the song says, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. So new life is a benefit afforded to us by Christ's resurrection. Because of Christ's resurrection, we who were once lost have now been found. We who were once blind are now able to see. We who were once lame are now able to walk. We've been given new life through Him who died for our sins and rose again. You remember the story of Lazarus? Jesus comes to His tomb tells those standing near to roll away the stone. Martha complains there's going to be a bad odor. Jesus is like, just believe. Just believe. And then he prays to his Father in heaven, and he cries out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And we're told that the dead man came out with his hands and feet and head bound in linen strips. And then Jesus gave that instruction, unbind him 
and let him go. That whole episode is a picture of what happens to us at the moment of our conversion. The whole episode is a picture of what happens to us by Christ's resurrection power when we are born again. Jesus, through the life-giving Word of the gospel, calls spiritually dead sinners to life, and then when we come out of the grave, He unbinds the grave clothes of our sin, sets us free to love Him and serve Him in this world. But that only happens by Christ's power. That leads us to the third benefit afforded to us by Christ's resurrection. It says, His resurrection is a guarantee of our own glorious resurrection. We like good guarantees, don't we? I like good guarantees. I've stopped falling finally for fishing lures guaranteed to catch fish. I finally (laughs) stopped falling. I've also stopped falling for the um, stuff you spray on your hunting clothing that's guaranteed not to have deer smell you. Still, I stopped falling for that as well. Um, Still like a good guarantee. They're hard to find, but here's a good guarantee, right? Right on the pages of Scripture. Christ's resurrection guarantees our own glorious resurrection. And we read this in several places in Scripture. One place is 1 Corinthians 15. There Paul writes, but if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. More than that, there are, then we are found to be false witnesses about God, for we have testified about God that He raised Christ from the dead. But He did not raise Christ if, in fact, the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised either, your faith is futile, you're still in your sins, and those who have fallen asleep in Christ are, are lost." And now, you heard me reading it. Did you hear how closely Paul links the resurrection of Christ with the resurrection of others? Did you hear that over and over again, right? If the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, then those who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. There's this, there's this connection, isn't there? In almost every phrase between Christ's resurrection and the believer's resurrection. And that's Paul's logic. Christ has been raised, therefore it's absolutely guaranteed that the believer will be raised as well. Another passage we read about this is 1 Thessalonians 4. Here the Apostle Paul is speaking to the grieving believers in Thessalonica. He writes this, brothers, we do not want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that Jesus will bring with Him those who have fallen asleep in Him. Again, he links Jesus' resurrection with the resurrection of the Christian, right? Jesus died and rose again, therefore, those who've died in Christ will also rise again. He, He links the two. Christ's resurrection is followed by the word, therefore, which results in the believer's resurrection. Another one, Philippians 3, 20 and 21, when the, or there the apostle Paul writes, but our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables Him to bring everything under His control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like His glorious body. Again, our bodies, His body. There's a connection between the two No doubt we see this also 
uh, in one of the names that's ascribed to Jesus in Colossians 1 and Revelation 1. You know what Jesus is called in those chapters? He's called the firstborn from the dead. Just think about that. That name almost speaks for itself, doesn't it? I have a firstborn. Uh, the reason I have a firstborn is because I have several other born after that, right? That's what firstborn implies. The fact that Jesus is the firstborn from the dead implies that there will be a second and third and so on and so forth. So, Christ's resurrection, it's a guarantee of the believer's glorious resurrection. Christ's resurrection is a guarantee that, you know, this life, this life is not all there is for our physical existence. This life... um, or, or, or we will not spend eternity floating around on, on the clouds of heaven. Jesus' resurrection assures us that in the new heavens and the new earth, we will, we will know something of boots on the ground, as it were. It's kind of remarkable to think about. We have no idea how God will gather our molecules and put them back together. We have no idea what our glorious resurrected bodies will look like, but we know, we know they will be raised because the resurrection of Christ guarantees it. This is a tremendous hope for the people of God, especially in times of grief and loss. I quoted uh, part of 1 Thessalonians 4 already. Let me just close tonight by reading the whole thing for you. I want to especially hear what Paul says at the end. He says, but we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus, God will bring with Him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord Himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first." Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet them, to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will always be with the Lord. And after Paul says all of that, he gives this application, therefore, encourage one another with these words. It's meant to encourage us. It's meant to give us hope. Christ lives, and so will all who are united with Him by faith. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank You for the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We thank You for how it proclaims to us the words, paid in full. We thank You for how it reminds us that in Christ we too have been raised to new life, in which we're called to love and serve You in the freedom that You have given us. We thank You also for the hope afforded to us in and through Christ's resurrection, the hope of our own glorious resurrection with that of all Your people on the last day. Encourage us again tonight in this truth, for Jesus' sake, amen. We are going to... We're going to sing again. We're going to sing again. Christ arose. How's that sound? That's an Easter song, right? Think you got it in you tonight, Dottie? All right.
It's number 216. Why don't you stand, uh, and then we'll, I'll give the parting blessing, and then we'll sing together. Dear friends, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn His face toward you and grant you His peace. Amen. Number 216. 216. Christ arose. We do all three? We'll do all three.